You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to America's Web Radio. We're glad to have you listening in to David's Pick. And uh, today we have a special guest, uh, Vietnam veteran, Hawkeye Sharp. We, uh, we always appreciate our veterans and uh, we'll be getting to them right after a minute of silent prayer for our veterans and uh, those that are on active duty, which... Uh, I have that very close and dear to my heart. So with that being said, we'll be back in one minute right after we think about our veterans, those that have given the ultimate sacrifice in their families, as well as the folks that are on active duty now and all of our first responders. And we'll be back right after this. And the other thing that we always do, because I think, uh, Hawkeye, even you, will, I'm sure you'll remember this. Uh, you know, when we're on a forced march or a double time and uh, you've got that last half a mile to go, what always got you through? To hear that uh, reveille playing, it was always, uh, always got you going in the morning, too. How about... How about a little cadence call? Hey, I feel all right now. Hey, I feel all right now. A little cadence call, yes. Double time. Double time. Double time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and if you're, uh, if you're platoon sergeant or your uh, lieutenant started a cadence call, generally the platoon sergeant, but always somehow the other, for me anyway, put a smile on my face. And uh, you'd make it, you know, and that was the important thing, that last quarter mile, half mile. So with that being said, folks, our new friend, Hawkeye Sharp. And uh, unfortunately, it's not Alan Alda. Well, uh, it is. It's fortunate, but but not uh, Alan Alda. And I think that's where the Hawkeye came from. But uh, anyway, you explained it to me that because you're from... From Iowa. Iowa, the Hawkeye State. That's correct. And uh, somehow you got got tagged with that. And uh, we're glad to have you in the studio with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Do uh, Does everybody call you Hawkeye? Mostly my veteran friends do. Uh, my family doesn't, of course. But uh, I got tagged with that nickname many years ago when I was uh, trying to, between jobs and uh, hiring managers, said, oh, this is a young man's job. And I said, well, you know what? I've seen your young men working around here and standing around smoking and joking and not doing much work. And I said, uh, I'm from Iowa, and I'm sure I can uh, outwork all these young guys around here. So he put me to work selling cars. So. 
ah. turned out to be a success. Well, you you know, and this is what we really want to focus on. Um, you started a business called Vet Buds, and you want to briefly explain to us what that is, and then we'll get back to it. But we'll, I want to find out more about you. Well, Vet Buds is a, a group that we started uh, 11 years ago. Another Vietnam veteran and myself, and uh, Air Force F4 Phantom jockey. <laughs> and the three of us started it as basically a, a way to help veterans that uh, we wanted to serve. And we saw a need for uh, helping veterans, one veteran at a time. We're not the VFW or the American Legion or disabled American veterans, any of those. And we didn't set out to be, but, you know, our mission was uh, we're just a group of military veterans whose purpose is to provide support to other veterans. And this and support includes? One at a time. And this support includes? Uh, sometimes it's financial. If we have somebody that's uh, maybe between jobs and needs a little money for rent, we might be able to help them with that. We've given away uh, 10 cars over the last couple years to veterans in need of transportation. And we support students at Georgia State University, students that have served our country in the military and are now working on a college degree. And every month we uh, scrape together a few bucks, and uh, our uh, friend Mark Eister at Georgia State University, director of military outreach, will come to us and he'll say, hey, I have a student here, and uh, he needs a little bit of help. Uh, he's on some government help from the GI Bill, but it doesn't pay all their expenses all the time, and this guy could really use a hand, so we'll invite him to our meeting and uh, take his picture and put a check for $750 in his hand and uh, wow. just let him know there's some veterans out there that care about him. Now, Hawkeye, are you all a 501? Uh, we're, we work under a 501c3, yes. One of our members and uh, longtime uh, advisors is a man named Paul Romanic, and Paul has a and 501c3 he's uh runs some, some charitable operations and he's a successful businessman so if somebody wants to make a donation to us and have it uh be uh so they can gift and get a tax uh, receipt for it we can do that we run it through his company uh, change for georgia and then he in turn passes it on to us in the form of a gift let's um Let's talk about you. Uh, you were, you're a Vietnam veteran, so you were in, well, uh, what was your MOS? It was 11 Bravo Infantry, Light, up, oh, light Weapons Infantry, I yeah. think they called it. It's, I, was, uh, I was 11 Bravo, oh, yeah, and okay. um, uh, I was in a uh, uh, mechanized infantry unit um, in my hometown a national guard unit yes was mechanized infantry where'd you do your uh, basic fort polk louisiana Ugh. also known as uh, tiger land yeah <laughs> and uh, the place that they have proof that some of the mosquitoes have literally taken some of the uh, recruits and flown off with them <laughs> well that was probably a rumor but uh, there were there were plenty of critters there snakes and uh, various insects and uh I'm not sure what else, but uh, it was a interesting I, place to train, to say the least. Yeah, and probably the closest to uh, Vietnam than any other. And uh, I was very fortunate. I was at the uh, 
golf course uh, training camp, Fort Orange, California. And, oh, yes. Uh, I've never been there. Oh, it was beautiful. And uh, now they've turned it into a college campus. And uh, I'm envious. I'd like to go back and take a course or something. But there, there is still a DI hat under, if the if the barracks are still there, the old uh, wooden barracks, the matchstick jungle, as we called it, uh, if if our barracks is still there, there's a, a DI's hat under one of those barracks. Ah, and, interesting. Uh, yeah, well, you know, they. I went in, and I was right in the cusp of uh, uh, the draft. They had ended the draft, and we were going into the lottery, or we were in the lottery, but then right after that came the volunteer military. And uh, so I had, when I was in uh, basic, we had everything. We had volunteers, we had uh, lottery people, and we had draftees. So, yes, yes. Uh, construct. So, or construct. So, anyway, it was very interesting. And uh, we messed up our drill sergeant's heads because... Most everyone in my two companies that I served in, uh, BASIC and AIT, were college graduates. Right. And uh, it didn't take us 12 times to learn it. We got it basically the first time. And then the drill sergeant would look at their watch and, what do we do for the next three hours? (laughs) (laughs) But, and, oh, Fort Polk. When were you there? Um, Let's see, I guess it would have been uh, 1969. I arrived there uh, about 10.30 p.m. on an August night. And Ooh, you could, it was you warm. Could, yeah, you could cut the humidity with a knife, and it had even had a different smell to it. I'd come out of uh, Iowa, and, it, you know, there just was a, it was a lot different for me to be there. It, it, you know, it doesn't uh, – the military, as I look back on it, uh, in many ways um, – you know, it's like I've I've said before. There's sometimes that I'll, for lack of better words, I'll have a flashback to a basic or AIT because I don't know of anybody that's gone through it. That why in the hell are we doing this? You know? Yeah. And uh, I'll have a flashback to that, and then realize today that uh, I know why we did it, and it makes sense. You know, and the the army and uh, has had lots of training at it well what was uh, when you retired what was your uh, rank well i got out as a sergeant buck sergeant into uh, e5 uh, yes e5 and for the record i didn't i didn't retire i okay. did my hitch and uh, got out and then just went back to work ah but um i guess i was inspired mostly by uh by my own father who was a world war ii vet and uh served in on Patton's Third Army and was at the Battle of the Bulge. And, wow. Yeah. And so, you know, his example was he he went, he served, he came home, and he kept his mouth shut and just did his best and raised his family. You know, that's uh, uh, my dad served, and uh, he was in the Navy, and uh, would very seldom, he, he was in the Pacific, and would very seldom talk about what he did. Uh, even though my mother and sister uh he was he wound up in intel and uh, they went to uh boston to harvard that was his first his first six months were in the navy were at harvard wow and uh learning intel and yeah. then then he was assigned to uh arizona 
and uh, then ultimately went to uh, the Pacific. But, um, you know, I just, well, you know, the, the World War II veterans were a lot different from, and I think the big change was, uh, so you you left Polk, you went to Nam. Yes. And when did you get back from Nam? I uh, got home just in time for Christmas, 1970. Oh, okay. And um, so you got some of the uh, don't wear your uniform through the airport. Yes, yeah. We were kind of warned. By then, uh, morale in the military was poor. Um, the support from what support there was for the war had pretty much evaporated except just, you know, enclave here or there of patriotism. But for the most part, we got to be the targets of the frustration that the... Uh, people who saw the body bags and listened to the news in the evening you know, uh, it was the first television war so uh yeah in that regard it was uh it was unfortunate and most of us that served uh, you know i was drafted so we had a lot of people that enlisted but for the by and large it was people that really would have rather been somewhere else so to come home and be uh met with uh, a lot of verbal abuse or sometimes physical abuse uh was quite unfair because you know we hadn't made the decisions ourselves to no. be in that conflict we just served because that was the calling whether it was being drafted or if somebody thought they should enlist i happened to be in the you know the former i was drafted well you know the and this is often misquoted but uh the truth of the matter is there's the old saying of and it was an american indian saying that until you've walked a mile in my moxicans you don't know what you're talking about you know yes. and this was during the american uh, indian wars yes. and uh this is the same way in in uh you know 68 69 well right. 65 on really right. but you know, people didn't know what they were talking about and didn't know really. And I, and I, in many, many ways, I blame our government for not really explaining what the hell we were doing there other than making Lyndon and Lady Bird extremely rich. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I, I fought for that we didn't know and it would have gotten more support. But I, I do want to say this, that... Uh, the Vietnam veterans, in my opinion, and we've interviewed a lot and, and know a lot of them, that spend and have been very gracious in giving their time to be out at the airport and meet our soldiers and our whatever, Air Force, whatever it might be, uh, coming back in from Iraq, the Middle East, uh, uh whether it was Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and even today, they're out there to make sure that that they're honored when they come back into the states. It's interesting you mention that. I've done a lot of work, uh, volunteer work, uh, in the last uh, 10, 12 years, always focused uh, to support veterans. And the younger veterans that I meet are so gracious and are so grateful about the Vietnam veteran generation. And they say, I've had more than one say, man, you guys uh, 
what you went through and what you did is just wonderful, and we really appreciate it. That means a lot to me, given that uh, these people that are serving these days, they're all they're all volunteers. In my opinion, I always tell them, you guys are the best of the best that are serving now, because you were, you had a calling that you should enlist and serve the country, and I greatly admire that, and I very much appreciate what they say, and um, I'm always a little bit taken aback by it, but I've had more than one young veteran from Afghanistan or Iraq say, you know, you guys were the best. Thank you for what you did. Well, I uh, it's very near and dear to me. I have a my youngest son's uh, major in the Air Force, and uh, as we're speaking, he's headed to Iraq, so oh. uh, I'm very well aware of it. And this is a good time to mention, too. And and please, folks, you that are listening, whether you're listening now to Hawkeye and myself or listening uh, on the podcast when we when we play this show over and if you want to download it you're welcome to download it anytime you want and uh, Hawkeye if you want to put this on uh, your website we'll have it downloaded uh, before the day is out but this is also a great time to mention that if you're at the airport or wherever you might be if you see someone wearing a cap similar to Hawkeye's or anybody's that says I'm a I'm a veteran I I served on the USS whatever either you know if you have the opportunity buy them a lunch buy them a dinner buy them a cup of coffee buy them whatever and they will appreciate it and you know Hawkeye, thank you for your service in Vietnam. It was my but, honor. But, you know, not only will that veteran appreciate it or the person on active duty, but you will get the biggest thing out of it. It will mean more to you the rest of the day or whenever you happen to do it that you have done something for someone that was or is in the military or if you see a police officer or a EMT or or whatever, a first responder, fireman, whatever. They will appreciate it, but you'll you'll get the the goosebumps out of it. I guess maybe that's a way to say it. It'll make you feel better and it does them. And I think that's important, David. Now more than ever it's uh in these times we're living in after having gone through two years of COVID and all the lockdowns that went on and now with the uh, situation in Ukraine and people's mental health is a, at a, you know, kind of a breaking point for a lot of people right now. And I, and I think kind words go farther today maybe than they would during good times. So I think that's good advice you just gave your listeners. Well, you know, I don't think a lot of folks... I. <laughs> In my life, I've done a lot of things, and one of them was uh, I was a first responder in EMT. And, uh, you know, we think about them when we need them. We need the ambulance to come pick us up or whatever the case might be. But just because you're an EMT doesn't mean that you're out of harm's way. Um, In many cases... um, you know, we'd be called and have to go into areas that weren't the best or safest areas in the world. And there was a lot of uh, folks that thought that, oh, that big ambulance, that must carry all sorts of kinds of drugs. And we didn't have a drug one on the ambulance, you know, when I was involved. 
the hardest thing we had was oxygen and um that was about it but you know they still you still have to go through the intersection and uh, you have to get there and you have to be careful when you're there but we're you know this is this is something i guess i've i've known i didn't know the words to to uh express it but you know i was raised you obviously raised this way and that is that we are a first responder country and there's not a country in the world that reacts faster than the united states to give help to a country that's been hit by a hurricane or by this or by that and um you know, as hurricane season is coming our way, I want to throw out, uh, this is not a, well, it is a commercial, but uh, BaggerBot, that's B-A-G-G-E-R, bot, B-O-T dot com, look them up on the Internet. They can produce 1,600 sandbags per hour, and uh, it's a needed company, and they have the equipment to do it, and uh, they have a lease purchase plan for counties and governments that uh, are in the in the crosshairs of hurricanes a lot of times. Now, you look like a pretty healthy guy, Hawkeye. Could you uh, put out 1,600 sandbags an hour? <laughs> I have filled a few sandbags in my younger days, but uh, that would be, that's a lot of sandbags to put out. That's a lot of sandbags, and, uh, you know, but when they're needed, they're needed, and uh, this company is... Uh, working to uh to get to ukraine as well with one of their pieces of equipment and uh, you know it's just like i said i i love the united states and we are the most giving country in the world i don't think there's i don't even think there's a close second to the united states and uh We've got to maintain that. With that being said, we're going to take our first break, and we'll come back, and we're going to ask uh, Hawkeye a question and be the only hardball question we ask today, but we always ask it, so we'll be back right after a couple of messages. Start taking back our country from the liberal wokes by voting locally for conservative Republicans. If you have lost a loved one and were left with a firearms collection and are not sure how to dispose of them safely, or you may have firearms you no longer want, this message is for you. I am a licensed FFL firearms dealer in the state of Florida, specializing in estate firearm purchases. It is very important that all firearm transactions be handled according to state and federal laws. You can contact me for information at firearm liquidation service at outlook.com, or you can call or text me at 407-921-8100-247 and ask for James. Again, for information contact me at Firearm Liquidation Service at Outlook.com or call or text me at 407-921-8100. All communications are strictly confidential. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Okay, you're listening to David's Pick on America's Web Radio, and we do appreciate you listening. And we've got Hawkeye Sharp. Uh, Hawkeye is from Iowa originally, and that's where he gets his uh, his uh, nickname, Hawkeye, and the Hawkeye State, and so forth. And uh, where were you stationed in? Um, started out in the Mekong Delta, what was known at that time as Three Corps. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tan An, Tan True, some of those uh, villages, towns in the uh, southern part. Then the rice paddies, essentially. I didn't see much jungle. Where we were was wet and kind of flat places. Well, that's better than seeing the jungle up close and personal. Yes, yes. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I only... Or generally speaking, not always, but generally only ask one hardball question during my interviews with veterans because I certainly respect them all. And and uh, you having this uh, organization called uh, Vet Buds, and uh, I guess that stands for Veteran Buddies. Pretty uh, close, yes. So you you do associate with other veterans frequently, I'm sure. Yes, we and, do. And uh, I have one hardball question to ask you. Can you name one veteran that you know of as a friend that can only tell one story? Uh, I can't think of anyone right offhand. I don't think there's a veteran alive that can tell only one story. If you start, if you get them cranked up, you get five or six guys sitting around the table, and the first thing that's going to happen, well, when I was in, yeah. or when I was stationed, or whatever, and then then the other one will try to one up them, and then the first one will come back, and they'll, it'll all of a sudden you've got veterans telling stories, and we uh, we mentioned too that we're. I don't like our public schools today, and that also goes for a lot of our private schools from the standpoint of the books and the teachers that are not really teaching history. And you, I don't know your family background, but if you have kids or grandkids, you're our historian, and whenever you get a chance to have that grandkid on your knee and talk to them about and talk to them about what you did in Nam and and the flag and what it meant to you and what it means to you today, and I look to all veterans to do that and to talk to their family, and I know with the, from experience that a lot of vets have a hard time talking to people that aren't vets and uh you know they they will associate and and talk amongst themselves but but not necessarily to their families but the situation that we're in today in my opinion is that uh you are our history books the veterans whether they served in korea vietnam the middle east wherever they need to tell their stories, and I guess the bottom line that we've learned is that that no matter where you served, it's not only for our country, but it's for our flag, and how important our flag is, and has been since inception. And so I, I plead that veterans will tell their story to their kids. And a lot of veterans don't like to talk about their own service. You know, I don't know any veteran that considers himself or herself a hero. 
and over the past 10 years I have had the uh, privilege to do some volunteer work where I came in close contact with Medal of Honor recipients up to and including escorting one for an entire weekend in Atlanta several years ago and like everybody that served these guys that I have met don't consider themselves heroes even though when you read what they did and I did my duty yeah they they did they said well I did my duty it's just you didn't I didn't think about it I just did what had to be done but you know you mentioned veterans associating with uh, one another and carrying on the history Um, you know veterans we don't wear hats and in my case and motorcycle motorcycles with vests with patches on them to brag about having served we wear veteran identity so other veterans recognize us and some of my very best friends are veterans and I know if I ever was in a bind and needed something probably the amongst the first people I'm going to call will be some veterans that I've gotten very close to because they just seem to get it well I, I and please correct me if I'm wrong but you know from I have to give the military credit uh, they've had 240 years to get it right, and it's not perfect, but they do instill a lot of things as you're going through. It even starts in basic, that uh, you're there for for one thing, and that's to cover your buddy's back. That's right. And uh, that goes after you're out as well as while you're in. And, uh, you know, I, I was a reservist, and uh, I've felt like I was guilty of not serving, and many, many of my veteran friends uh, or officers and so forth and so on have said, no, you were as important as a person online. We all raised our hand and said we would protect and defend, and you were a draftee, but, you know, I could have been called up any time during my six years, and... uh, I never felt like I was playing that big of a role in anything, but uh, somebody had to be in the back of that APC and uh, with their M16 and practicing, and and uh, I helped grind up dirt at Fort Hood. And uh, you know what? You're smiling. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you, you, get in, you get to the dirt, and you turn it into powder. Yeah. For those guys that are running behind you and uh, have to have to breathe that stuff, but you know, I uh, the old saying is turning boys into men, and I think the you know, and it literally starts in reception when when you go and you get that first haircut. That's right. And you come out saying, "Well, you're bald," and well, so are you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you buy those little. Uh, uh, rubber things or whatever to massage your scalp to oh that'll make the hair grow back faster well if you got hair there and I didn't have a whole lot of hair there to begin with well you get a haircut every week so it doesn't matter how much you massage it it's not going to last very long no <laughs> but it's uh, you know I, I I am a true believer and I'd like your opinion on this that everybody should serve and you know, 
in my opinion, everybody should serve in the military of some, be it Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Army, whatever. But it's, in my opinion, we'd have a, a lot better country if, if you know, there's just something about going through, if it's only basic and AIT. And um, and then the fellowship, I, just like you said, you probably made some friends both in Nam and, and outside of Nam that you had forever. That's right. And I think uh, it's a cliche, but it's true. Freedom isn't free. Somebody paid for it. And you mentioned when you opened your program about uh, Americans that gave the ultimate sacrifice. I came home with all my parts from Vietnam, thankfully. But a lot of people did not, and many other wars. And they gave their blood for our freedom. And everybody... In my opinion, it would be nice if everybody served. I understand not everybody wants to pick up a gun. Some people abhor guns, and that's their right. But we have uh, other things that people could do. They could serve in the Peace Corps, or they could make, do other things that would benefit our society and improve America. You know, and I love America, warts and all, but I think one way to fix some of those warts would be if everybody had to serve sometime between their 18th and 22nd birthday for a year or two at least. And uh, you'd be surprised at the uh, stories that would come out of that. Absolutely. When I was uh, looking at what I was going to have to do, this was in the mid to late 60s, and and then after I had joined, I had very... I had a lot of misgivings on the conscientious objectors, and uh, come to find out, we've we've interviewed them, or interviewed some, not all by any means, but some, and uh, the role that, talking about heroes, I have two heroes that, um, groups, I should say, and one is the conscientious objectors that were turned into medics, and... Uh, they didn't need a gun, but they went in the, the heat of battle. And the other group, and I totally, I just, you know, I'd give them a kiss if they if one walked in. And that's the dust-off pilots. Yes. Holy cow. I mean, they uh, they did things that were impossible. And uh, they don't ever get enough credit. And the nurses that uh, would jump on board to go out and rescue somebody and go into a a hot zone. And um, talking about not caring for life or limb, they just did what they had to do and what they felt. And you were talking about, and I will say on our website, I don't know if you went to it or not, but on... We have a, a memorial to my best friend that uh, went to Nam. He and I were roommates. He went to Nam and uh, died a couple of years ago now from Agent Orange. Mm-hmm. And uh, J. Roy Ritchie, a cowboy through and through. I mean, the uh, Texas was, he was a Texan. And. Uh, uh, you know, he he fought for us and he died for us. And my little way of thanking him is the memorial that we do. Well, you know, there's eight nurses' names on that memorial wall. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, this is an opportunity for me to plug a group that's important to me, too. Uh, VetBuds, part of what we do is uh, we collaborate with other uh, veteran support organizations, and uh, one of them is Johns Creek's uh, Veterans Association. I know it well. I live there. Okay, and you know that uh, the healing wall. replica wall, the wall that heals that mm-hmm. they bought and installed several years ago, and a lot of people visit that, so... But there are eight nurses' names on that wall. I never knew any of them myself. But in Roswell, they're doing this thing they call the uh, mayor city council at city council meetings. They're recognizing a veteran every uh, council meeting. Hmm. And uh, two meetings back, they recognized a Vietnam War nurse. And uh, she was there. And she had... Uh, her name on the row, was it? Uh, no. She, her name's not on the wall. She's still... She's still, still alive. Yeah. Right. And she is. Uh, she was there on a cane, but uh, she'd served, and she loved being in Vietnam, and she loved her service. She said, "Well, this you know, you just hit on the point that I made earlier, is that that's history. You ain't going to find that in a history book today, you know. Right. And the and the role that uh, and we've. I don't want to say been careless, but." We certainly haven't given credit to the nurses that did serve. And, um, you know, Martha Ray was a big – she was a nurse. Yeah. And she served in Nam, And not by – you know, she was going there to entertain, but she – as she came into the uh, area, she put on her whites and uh, nursed. And, uh, you know, there are just so many stories that – you know, well, let me ask you this, Hawkeye. When you were in and in the heat of the of the time, what was your emotional feeling? I'm here because I love my country, or I'm here because of orders, or, or well, I wish the hell I'd never been ordered here. What was your emotional feelings? I didn't. I didn't feel that uh, I was there on any. Uh wonderful mission because most Vietnam veterans will tell you they were there and their primary mission was to watch their back and their buddies back and that was the uh, primary goal was to keep everyone safe and get back to the world as we called it all in one piece and I guess it went by pretty fast a lot of days were pretty boring actually and uh, I had a small combat role but uh, most of the time it wasn't that exciting. It was, as they say, uh, you know, hours interrupted, hours of uh, peace and tranquility and boredom interrupted by uh, moments of sheer terror and excitement. And that, that pretty well describes uh, most of uh, the combat veterans' feelings, I guess. But I can't really recall my emotions at the time. I can remember my objective every day was to keep myself and everybody I was with safe to do the job that I'd been given to the best of my ability and to get home safely. And uh, as far as emotions, I don't know. We, you know, we'd read the Stars and Stripes and hear how we, there was a major battle and 2,000 Viet Cong and North Vietnamese were killed and there were three American casualties. And I always wondered, you know, how, how can this <laughs> war keep going on with these kind of odds? You know, we're obviously wiping out the entire population but yet uh and we're not we're not taking very many significant losses so this has to end soon but 
I didn't believe it, and I don't think most people that were reading it really believed it either. You know, I would say that as as a failure goes, our media and you know, from my veteran North North Vietnam or Vietnam veteran friends have said they couldn't stand Walter Cronkite, and uh, you know when he uh, toured Vietnam and. Like you said, every night he had, well, there you know, X number of body bags and all this. And, you know, I was very disappointed. And during that period of time in the, in the uh, mid-60s, that's when I first started out in radio. And, uh, you know, I, I made sure of what I reported was the truth. And whether it came from AP or UPI or wherever, but it was I was sad when Chet Huntley and David Brinkley would come up with stuff, and you know we talk about fake media now. We've always had it in some some degree and some extent, and uh, media, in my opinion, should be what keeps our politicians straight and lying doesn't get us anywhere and uh, there were plenty of them floating around did you probably didn't ever have any of this but were there ever any rumors in your companies that uh, uh, I understand we're going over here or I understand we're doing this and all of a sudden everybody was anxious about the fact that well we'll be moving out in a couple of days and go to wherever did you ever have any of that? You know, I can't, I can't remember that uh, actually. And uh, you know, it's been so many years now. I, I know a lot of my memories have faded, and I'm sure some of my memories have been uh, become distorted. Things that I thought <laughs> were true maybe weren't true, or things that I thought weren't true are true. So well, I, that's a hard question for me to answer, David. I, I have to think about that f- for a while. But. I found that the uh, military is a very good place for the rumor factory. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. Um, we were kept in the dark so much about what was going on. I remember one day going out there, and we were sitting around getting ready to be inserted, and we were waiting for, on the helicopter pad. And so we said, well, the intel says there's... Uh, we're going to be looking for uh, three machine guns. I thought, well, I wonder how they'd know that. Well, after we got inserted, I found out the intel must have been pretty good because three guys got dusted off that day. That was kind of a wake-up call for me, being brand new there. <laughs> and, again, probably only vets know this or, or know the phrase, but your last week when you were short... What were you thinking of other than getting home? Well, I was so grateful to be getting close, and I was thinking, you know, as long as I don't have to go to the field anymore, I have it made. So, uh, you know, I've seen, I've read those statistics about uh, the names on the wall and uh, X number of people were killed on their first day in country and X number were killed on their last day in country and so forth. And, I always found that one interesting because uh, I guess the day you were killed was the last day in your, your in country, whether you were uh, scheduled to be going home or not. But uh, I, all I can remember that 
toward the end there was, uh, I hope I don't have to go to the field any longer. <laughs> well, we're going to take our last break right quick, and we'll be back with Hawkeye Shark Sharp right after a couple of messages. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. It's a museum, it's a showroom, it's an experience. The Classic Auto Mall in Morgantown, Pennsylvania is 336,000 square feet of rare custom and specialty automobiles on display and on consignment. From the earliest production cars to modern exotics, Classic Auto Mall is a feast for the eyes and the memories. Stroll through time in any season in this climate-controlled facility that you simply have to see to believe. Admission is free. Just remember to bring comfortable shoes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. And we appreciate you listening to David's pick on America's Web Radio, and we've got Hawkeye Sharp in with us. He was uh, He's a Vietnam veteran. Uh, when he got out of the military, he was, and I can relate to this, an E-5, Buck Sergeant. That's the three stripes on your shoulder, or... Now they, uh, it's in the center of your chest, and it's all camouflage. I, I was in when they went to the camouflage uh, uh, rankings, and uh, you warm on your collar very stealthily. And uh, yeah, the first lieutenants and captains didn't really like the uh, the bars on their shoulder. They made good uh, targets. So anyway we're proud to have you here hawkeye and and again thank you for your service in nam and um and what you're doing today and and this is like we like we talked earlier what you're doing with vet buds and veterans you know i don't know if veterans have a smell or if they just have a look but you can almost a veteran can almost walk through an airport and say, that's a veteran, that's a veteran, that one, that guy never served, that's a veteran. And you can almost, like I said, I don't know if it's the smell that we put off or just uh, you can tell by the haircut or just, you know, in many cases you can tell just by the way they're standing. And uh, there's almost uh, there's a little bit of that attention in there and there, the way they're standing. But anyway, tell us more about Vet Buds. Well, as I said earlier, Vet Buds is a group of military veterans whose purpose is to provide assistance to other veterans. That's our mission statement. And our vision statement is veterans supporting veterans. And I won't get into the politics of it right now, but we believe that uh, to help veterans, small groups helping veterans that they see in need one-on-one 
trumps any kind of um, government support. You know, it takes too long to get things done through the government. Some of their programs aren't effective. Many you mean you don't have a bunch of red tape? We don't have red tape. We have no bylaws and we have no rules. We really don't have any leaders. We, uh, I'm one of the three that co-founded the group, but our group basically is made up of a core group of probably 15 to 20 guys that show up and uh, a couple women. And and where and, do you all meet or how? Well, if meet, I wanted to join, how well, do you? We'd love to have you at one of our meetings. Our biggest meeting is in Johns Creek on the third Wednesday every month at a place called Uptown Cafe. <laughs> Ate breakfast there Sunday morning. I'm sure you have. And Uptown Cafe is gracious enough to provide us a private meeting room, and we start showing up at 7 o'clock with the meeting time 7.30 to 9, 9 o'clock. But we will, people get there early, as you might, might not be surprised to learn there's people waiting in the parking lot at 7 o'clock to come in. But... We advertise it as 7.30 to 9. We uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance, go around the room, uh, give a little report on the Treasury. We always pass a steel pot and put a few bucks in it, and we got a couple sponsors that give us some money, and occasionally we'll get a, an anonymous donation. So we keep track of our money, and we fully transparent. We tell people where the money went and uh, how much we have and what we're planning on doing with it next. But then uh, we run the meeting. Everybody gets a an opportunity to speak. If we have new people, the new people speak first and tell us about what they're doing and what they've done. If they need any help, they let us know. Then we go around the room and everybody that's there introduces themselves, reintroduces themselves. And we have a lively meeting. Everybody makes fun of one another's branch <laughs> of service, which, as you know, is always a de rigueur, if you will. It's part of every uh, time veterans get together. The Marines make fun of the rest of us, and we all make fun of the Marines. You don't have a guy named Submarine Mike? That we, uh, Submarine Mike is one of my very, very best friends. Mike Kotler served in Vietnam and is a, a great American. He belongs to more veterans groups than anybody I know. <laughs> and uh, now, We're, we're you, together at least once a week. In fact, we were together yesterday sitting there having lunch. You ask him, and the next time you see him, you ask him about me. I'll and uh, tell him I sent my best to him. And Now, there's, there's one guy that you could have said his name and said, I know a guy named Submarine Mike, and he can tell only one story. At a time. Uh, yeah, at a time. That's right. <laughs> so to follow on to your question, uh, we have the regular meeting, uh, breakfast meeting at 730 on the third Wednesday every month at uh, Uptown Cafe in uh, Johns Creek. Uh, a group of our guys, uh, Matt Cronley, another submariner, and um, Jason Robbins started the Cherokee County Veterans Group, Vet Buds. It meets on the second Wednesday at Semper Fi Grill in Woodstock. And if you haven't been there, I would plug them. Run by a couple of uh, Marines, uh, Ralph and his wife. And that's 11.30 a.m., second Wednesday every month. And then, er, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, West Cobb Veterans Group of Vet Buds has been meeting for many, many years. Dr. Paul Bloomsack puts, uh, puts on a meeting over there in <coughs> West Cobb for a breakfast meeting once a month. Okay, I've got to ask you another hardball question, okay, um, if you don't mind. But uh, do you feel like that Vet Buds gets a lot of things accomplished? 
Well, that's not much of a hardball question because we, we do. Well, I've got a second a part of it. Okay. But, yes, as I mentioned earlier, we provided cars to needy veterans. We pro- provided financial assistance. Then from my standpoint, vet buds must be made up of all NCOs with no uh, officers involved. Is that Would that be a correct statement since you all get, accomplished something? <laughs> well, there's a lot of jokes about that. We uh, probably have a few officers in there, but nobody seems to have too big an ego. So. <laughs> I'd say that, you know, it's pretty much a working man group. Yes. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And what you all are doing is, is, and, you know, we're going to figure out a way to plug it. And, uh, Thank you. We'll, you know, work with you any way that we can. And I hope that you'll, uh, Mike, Submarine Mike knows, not in the well, we're not close friends, but we, we're we friends. And um, he's been on a, a number of times. And, uh uh, like I said, he can't tell one story. He just you get him cranked up, and it just keeps going and going. And you figure though, the way I figure anyway, I was like you, eleven Bravo, and uh, I can understand somebody walking on dirt and and going through all of that, or or in a tank, or in an APC, or something. Like, but you know, to be underwater in one of those little bitty boats. You got to be crazy. That's and what I think. I, th- I think Mike is the uh, submarine. Mike is the epitome of a crazy guy that was in the military. Yeah. No, I love him. He's a good guy. He's a great guy and one of my best friends. And I enjoy hearing the submarine stories because, like yourself, I understand the uh, infantry part of it and uh, getting dirty. But uh, being who knows how many leagues under the sea, <laughs> that's very scary to me. I can think of going on a submarine. I'm so claustrophobic that I can think about it and uh, go nuts, you know. And and what our submariners have done and are doing today, I salute them all. There, there are there are international wall, if you would have it that way. That uh, we don't know where they are, but they're there. That's and, right. Uh, we don't want to know where they are, but they're there, and uh, they're protecting us 24-7. Well, I want to mention uh, the co-founders of Vet Buds, two good friends of mine. Uh, Bill Williams lives in uh, East Cobb. He's an Army veteran, another Midwesterner like myself. Bill's from uh, Nebraska, and he went to Vietnam and served there, honorably discharged, and he's still working today. He's a franchise uh, expert many of your uh, listeners wanted to get involved in having a franchise bill provides that service to them and does a great job at it he's been doing it many years steve haynes is the uh, f4 phantom jockey that i mentioned steve <laughs> is from atlanta and a very nice guy and does a lot of volunteer work uh, himself and i've known him and bill for many years and steve's also still working he works out of his home in roswell he's uh a recruiter hmm. and he's also our treasurer and our webmaster so well you got to keep an eye on him yes yes <laughs> now i tell you what i i've learned over the years that if i want just like you said if you needed it you'd call on a vet and uh i uh i don't think i've interviewed a vet one and I'd, 
I would bet that you're the same way, is that if for some reason the country needed you and they asked for you, you'd be right back in in a heartbeat. That's uh, right. Whether it was with your walker or your wheelchair, you'd still do it. That's right. And I think this is something that our nation is so different from any place in the world. And, you know, like the Japanese said, we're not going to invade the United States because there's a gun behind every blade of grass. And there still is, if not more so. Right. And uh, I think the... I think... Well, I can say for sure every vet that I know would answer the call. I agree with that. I, I do agree with that. And after the show, I'll give you a name or two of a uh, couple other people you might be interested in interviewing. Uh, oh, absolutely. We work hard with the uh, group in coming called About Face USA, and uh, Joe LaBranch, a Marine veteran, and his wife, Carol, are doing some good work up there, and I know you'd be interested in talking to them. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, anybody that's listening, uh, I should have most of the time I do, is start the show out by saying, get your pen and paper ready. And, you know, if you have something, if you want to ask Hawkeye a question, uh, oh, that's the other question I need to ask you. Uh, you've endured uh, about 56 minutes. Would you come back sometime? I'd be happy to. It's my honor to meet you and uh, my pleasure to meet you and my honor to be able to talk about our uh, veterans and what we can do to help them. Well, we appreciate it, and, uh, you know, I hope you feel comfortable enough if you need to call on us to promote something or do something on the air, we'd be more than happy to. Well, and we'll certainly put up the uh, program on uh, vetbuds.us. That's our website. And Bill Williams, I mentioned, our uh, co-founder, runs a Facebook page. I'm not much of a Facebook guy, but uh, we have activities on that. and We're connected to some other groups, Operation Rally Point, that uh, supports veterans that are homeless and the... Uh, now, did, did Roger Wise give me your name? No, I, you... Uh, uh, you and uh, Keith Bogle are friends. Oh, Keith, oh, oh Keith yeah, and yeah. I are okay. uh, real good friends, and he uh, has been teeing me up for some speaking engagements that I really wasn't planning on doing. But oh, well, I try to fly below the radar. It's not really my place to uh, get out there and promote myself. But Keith said uh, this was a good program, and he liked you. And uh, you and I had a call on telephone call that lasted about 45 minutes so you're easy to talk to (laughs) well keith's uh keith is i and i'm sorry i apologize to keith for not remembering off the top of my head but keith uh is very active and i think vice president of the jc uh veterans association in uh john's creek and he's also and i can't (laughs) well okay i want to ask you this i can't say it even without getting goosebumps and that's color guard or honor guard depending on and i love it and i just when i see the flag go by you know i don't think you're alive unless you get goosebumps those guys are extremely busy they're in demand and keith is the uh leader of that color guard and uh they show up at quite a few places to uh do the honors and uh He's a good-sized boy, too. He is. <laughs> but he's, uh, he's become a, a good friend, and I hope that everybody that has been on or is planning on being on becomes my friend. And uh, 
we're we try to be a friend to all vets and uh, i uh like i said i appreciate you coming in today hawkeye and we're gonna have to wrap it up i that hour went pretty fast it did it's my pleasure to be here thank you david well you're it's been a pleasure having you and um we will be back next week with another veteran and uh, we'll be talking to uh, Hawkeye Moore, and we'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.